five, four, three, two, one. Sunny, Sunny 16, 16 present. <laughs> okay, well, screw that. We're not doing them all at once. I'll edit them together and then they'll. <laughs> hey, you know, internet lag is a thing. There we go. Exactly. That, exactly. That's the podcast, just us saying Sunny 16 presents. That's, yeah, that's all that's the podcast should go. <laughs> um, uh, as far as I'm concerned, we're rolling. In your 5.0, right? Top down. So your hair. Five point, I'm not going to do a 5.0. We're going. We're going. We're Lens Punk. <laughs> and we are um, We're doing a podcast. So, um, Dom, why are you a Lens yeah. Punk? Well, I'm a lens punk. Uh, well, it, it started many years ago when I was at college. I was studying photography uh, through art and we were sort of pushed to just experiment with our cameras. So I started getting things and sticking them over the top of my lenses to try and make strange filters. And when I got bored of doing that, I had the idea of using a magnifying glass as a lens. And to be honest, that didn't really work because I just stuck a magnifying glass straight over the body and shot a <laughs> roll of film and had a lot of blur. <laughs> so that idea sort of got hung on the shelf at that time. And then I got into uh, pinhole photography and sort of dipped in and out of that over the last say 20 odd years. So um, at that point you were a lensless punk, right? I was a lensless punk, yeah. And then recently I haven't had so much time for my photography where uh, I used to build a lot of my own cameras um, from wood and I went back to using my rangefinder camera and I was like, oh, I wonder I'm going to stick a pinhole body cap back on this just for walking around, taking pictures. And I started thinking this isn't really doing what I want it to do. I want to take handheld pictures. So I thought, ah, oh, that idea I had in college of using a lens. So I started making body cap lenses and playing around basically with large pinholes behind. And the, the is sort of just history really I've I just been experimenting seeing what I can do with single elements of glass or plastic I've been pulling uh, lenses out of uh, single shot cameras um, to be honest they probably get the best picture out of most of my experiments oh I, I want to do a lot of talking about what best picture means oh. uh, but, but I'm oh. going to let you uh, <laughs> I'm best like in a traditional continue. sense like an image that looks normal <laughs> um so that's yeah closest to what our eye would see i guess is right okay that that kind of best it not not necessarily my preference um what is your preference so, like what do you like when you're doing these when you're when you went from pinhole to single element or plastic element or um yeah magnifying glasses are brilliant by the way i've i've been eyeing up one that's in our in our bathroom but i think 
Heather will miss it if it's gone, but it'll make a hell of a single element French landscape lens. Anyways, so for you, like what screw normal, yes. like your preferred image, what would that be? What do you want it to be? I I really I still really like the the pinhole type of image. Um, I when I'm shooting pinhole, I tend to shoot large format paper negatives um, with quite wide angles. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's like my my favourite when I'm doing pinhole. But I want something a little bit different from this, but still. I could stick the camera anywhere and not worry about the focus point too much. I wanted yeah. mm-hmm. as much in focus as possible with these. So I was basically going with using very small apertures. Um, and it's only in the last few weeks I've been trying to work out what they actually are. But all of yeah. this is a sort of experimental, like trial and error. Like my knowledge of how a lens works is very limited um but I, I just like trying things I, i'm not afraid of like ripping an old lens that's broken apart or sticking a magnifying glass over a camera and wasting one roll of film on it or and um yeah so i'm looking for going back to your question yeah i'm looking for something that resembles pinhole but uh something a little different too and Mm -hmm. what i found is um the glass lenses if they're a single glass element you get a lot of edge blur yep even with a tiny aperture and that's something new that i don't really get very often with pinhole unless it goes stupidly wide yeah (laughs) um it and it is still a a different look but the the main advantage that I've really liked is there's that balance between it's a slower shutter speed than I would usually be taking, but it's still so much faster than my pinhole photography. So I'm allowed to take a lot of handheld shots. That's been really, really fun. Yeah. It's probably Um, a little bit freeing compared to like the, you know, I think the fastest pinhole camera I've ever shot was, um, one of the rally so settles um the six by six with the filter and uh i took it to we we did a trip to europe for a a wedding and it was like the ultimate street photography pinhole because it's small it's light and the pinhole is like it's an f108 or something so yeah with like i think i shot ilford svx with a red filter over just went in infrared with it which is by the way stupid fun and it was just like one second sunny f16 basically it's like 1001 and for a pinhole, like that's, mm. you still have to set up a tripod or whatever, but it's like blazingly fast. You could actually yeah. do, I'm going to air quote that's this, like street photography. photography yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's like street photography. Like I, there's like in, where were we? In Milan and there's some police, you know, with guns hanging out, whatever. And like, I'm like, ah, street photography, just a little tripod on a table. That was one. Cool. Done. Keep going. It's like the whole shot took me 30 seconds. And it was like, this is a crazy pinhole. This is like the fastest pinhole I've ever yeah. shot in my life. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah. going from that to like a 30th of a second or even a 15th of a second has got to be just like yeah. a complete sea change. I mean, I was shooting like this time last year, I, w- I wasn't doing a great deal, but I was shooting 
paper negatives um, in uh, semi-covered uh, by by roofing. I was, I was doing a lot of work on a, a deck, mm-hmm. so there, there wasn't great light coming in, but a lot of light through the, the openings. And those exposures were, at first I did like 30 minutes, so I got nothing. So I was like, okay, let, let's try a bit longer. So I did like an hour and it's like, oh, I'm getting something now. And in the end, I was doing exposures for like two hours plus while I worked. So I was just non-existent in the pictures and you could just sort of see right. things moving around on my workbench and stuff. And uh, those were really fun in a different way, but it's like, I can take one of those pictures a day. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys, uh, have you guys ever seen it's uh, completely different uh, types of images I can take. I can take some moving things, but I'm still getting that. I can still get the camera really close, like almost like your hand thickness between the lens and the object. And I'm getting right. a little bit of focus there. And then like about a meter away, it's like, it's getting pretty sharp. So. Right. And, and actually what you just uh, mentioned just uh, about um, paper and like building a deck and like these long, like 30 minute exposures and whatnot. It just reminded me um, that I have a friend of mine here in the Bay area who's part of this little crew that builds pinholes out of available materials on sites, including the lens. Like they'll, they'll take a leaf, like they'll essentially dig a cave, if you will, into the sand or something with the beach and like brace it up with, with driftwood or whatever else to, and then they'll put, uh, I think Ilford positive paper in there, you know, and then oh. use a leaf with yeah. a pin through it and then they'll try to make photos with it. Wow. That sounds awesome. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, it's super, super cool. They made a little documentary out of it. Um, I'll try to find you guys can watch it, but Adam's a, yeah. a yeah. pal of mine from the, the East Bay photo cooperative here in the bay area oh, i've, I've shot the cool. shit with him many times yeah there's a super cool he's a documentary uh, filmmaker too by trade and but, um the uh uh link oh. will be in the notes for that yep um, Dude, it's it's mad stuff i'll actually find the home page for this more and the the um, documentary that's more recent than this 2016 article cool yeah. so eric uh what makes you a lens punk um I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I guess um, it's a good question. It, it's weird because I feel like I started making lenses from a fairly, in retrospect, not at the time. At the time, it was just desperation. Um, but in retrospect, for fairly punkish reasons of like, fuck this, I don't have any money, I can't pay for this and I need to, to DIY it. And, you know, punk rock, the punk rock ethos really is um, for a lot of folks I know is DIY. Like they sew their own shit. Like I have friends in the bicycle world who make their own bicycle bags, who are just completely punk rock because that's just what you do. You make your own shit. Um, and you are very anti-establishment, right? And so the dollar bill lenses were because I couldn't afford to do anything else. Mm-hmm. And the dollar bills were actually actually make really good little lens barrels. Shockingly, I had no idea. Um, and then also a little bit of performance art. Like there's a bit of punk rock that's performance art. You know, like sure. going out, being obnoxious, sticking it in the face. Like the Sex Pistols, 
were, yeah, they were anti-establishment, but they're also a shit ton of performance art, right? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. But, um, but since then, I think like, one, I get bored really quickly. So like, I'm not going to keep making lenses and dollar bills because I've done it. I can do it. I can do it with my eyes closed. Well, not quite with my eyes closed, but I can do it. And um, so what? Right? Right. So what? Move on. Um, and, you know, like lately, like these lenses that I'm making now out of um, the uh, Bronica ETR lenses so I can get the shutter and the auto exposure and the Bronica camera are very, they're very specific. I guess all my, all my lenses end up being project specific to a certain degree, but they, they look and feel much more polished. So I don't know if that's still, I guess it kind of is. I'm taking what people would otherwise throw away because uh, there's fungus and the lens is useless for commercial purposes. And Mm -hmm. I'm making it so you're not throwing it away or I'm not throwing it away and I'm going to use it for, for a project. I'm going to use it for something. Um, Repurposing is, is certainly DIY punk. Yeah. You know, Uh, um, and they're, they're such, they're such, I mean, they're, they're, the construction of things they do with these are so much beyond anything I can do with my hands. Like I could not do this with my hands. Right. Um, I can barely make a, a round donut out of wood for my, for like the other lens I made. And like, I'm, I'm like, Dom, I'm, if you actually saw it in person, you'd be like, dude, I, it's I'm, so like not round, not centered. It's just like, Oh God. Like a pressure okay. woodworker is probably just like, you'd finish that. How? You know, okay. So let's we talk need about to the talk. spectrum, you know, <laughs> let's talk about the spectrum. We have, we have, Dom, who makes his living making beautiful wood things. We have Eric, who makes this ring out of wood and is embarrassed by it's not exactly. Well, not even quite do, embarrassed. I'm but. so impressed with what Eric did. <laughs> I mean, so we've got yeah. quite the spectrum. Um, so so I, I guess I would play off the same thing that you're talking about of of what I can do and what I can't do. Um, I, uh, I started um, uh, again in photography in about uh, 2013 um, when I bought an RB67 with a back and a Jeez. lens for 170 bucks. One, that's cheap. And two, could you have gotten anything heavier? Yeah, right, exactly. Oh, or I, bulkier? Oh, no, you, you don't understand. This was my dream camera for 30 for 25 years and I got it and hated it. Do you know how many how many pictures I took with the freaking slide in the back? Oh my god. Oh man. It was a it was uh it was just not me. But then the next thing that I did was I wanted to make um zero image um pinholes. That was the very, I wanted to make beautiful teak or whatever the hell they're made out of. I wanted to make beautiful cameras. Now I am completely ham-fisted when it comes to woodwork. So I continue um, woodwork and um, Eric, I was showing Dom this. This is my Andu Slayer pinhole. You can't tell yet, but nice. this is Slay Andu, no. Um, it, <laughs> 
It's uh, it's just a pinhole that I that I'm uh, concept that I'm working on. It's a panoramic, right? No, that that's a six by six. So ah, yeah, okay. it's a square. Uh, so it's a I'm, panoramic if you're shooting 35 millimeter. I'm just if saying. I were to shoot 35 millimeter on it, it'd be completely panoramic. But then I started um, making these franking cameras, and I made a lot of franking cameras because Nick, uh, my co-host on the uh, Homemade Camera Podcast would tell me what to build. Um, he would hijack <laughs> all my builds. And um, which I totally appreciate because I never, I, I wouldn't have known anything about hyperfocal um, uh, if it weren't for Nick. But then I came up with this idea. I want to build a camera myself top to bottom. And so I started building bodies. And, you know, this that I'm holding up right now is my Kraken 612 and it's also got um, a test bed guillotine shutter on the front, but I I built the bodies so I could do that. I can um, I can figure out focusing. I can do that type of thing. Um, then Eric, because you were on first the large format uh, as a guest, large format uh, photography podcast, and then. Um, uh, and then became one of the co-hosts. But you talked about There's that. There's such gluttons for punishment. Yeah, really. We know it. We know it. Um, I had the idea that I wanted. I still want to finish building a camera that I can focus. That has a lens in it. That has a shutter that I made. Has a film transport that I designed. Now. It, it probably won't be my everyday shooter, but it will be a camera that I built from the ground up. Given, given that I can't build springs and this has springs, given that I can't cast glass. So there are certain things that I can't do. Right, right. But this, that's, that's my punk rock. You know, I you can, want to do it all the way from the ground up. If, well, I guess it depends. Like, okay, question. Yeah, minor bit, of, minor bit of pushback. Um, like the film carrier part of it. I mean, so if you shoot sheet film, does that mean that you need to make your own sheet film holders? Like, like how far are we going with this? I'm good. Or you just need to build your own back to hold the sheet film holders? It just has to build your own back. You don't have to, you can stand on the backs of giants um, or you can stand somewhere else where the giants didn't stand as far okay. as I'm concerned. I mean, because... Dominic, have you ever, have you ever seen the book? Um, I talk it's about this all the time. Have you ever seen the book Primitive Photography? Is that the black cover? Most, yep. Mostly a black cover. Black but, color, uh, black and white image yeah, on it. I, I have come across that. Yeah. Yeah. Buy it. Um, have it you? It looks good. It's amazing. Graham, have you? I know of it, but I have not purchased it. It looks to me like it would cost me at least $9 to buy. So. Lord love a duck man. That's, that's Lord love a duck is comma, that, man. Has it got a um, section on making? It has a section on making Has everything. it got sections on making your own film? Yes, it has sections on making everything. The premise yeah. of it was um, the yeah. author was in Rochester at RIT and digital photography was taking over and he was like, I hate digital photography. 
but I don't believe that there will be commercial backing for regular photography in too long because like everybody was abandoning their film stock. Kodak was going under. So he was like, well, how do I do everything from scratch? How do I make my own lenses? How do I make my own cameras? How do I make my own film holders? How do I make my own film from start to finish? And so he set out to figure that out and did a ton of research and published the book, Primitive Photography. And then he dropped off the grid. One of these days, I'm going to find him, interview him. He is completely off the grid, but I will find him. It is my mission. And so it is a guide from start to finish of everything, making a camera, making film holders, making lenses and making salt paper negatives, start to scratch, all of it from scratch. So like Graham, you're talking about building it start to finish, including your medium, including your medium, yeah. buy yeah. this fucking book. Pardon my language, you have to bleep me out later. Buy this fucking book. Yeah. And go yeah, front yeah. to back. <laughs> uh, there's also, um, oh, I can't think of what her name is. It's, uh, oh, there's a woman who has a book out about making your own, okay. Uh, making your own uh, uh, emulsions. Oh, we just talked about it on Homemade Camera last week. But, okay, go to a Homemade Camera podcast and, and look for the one with Jason Lane. And um, oh, Jason. and he, men- he, he mentions that. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's, a, that's an interesting train of thought. What's that? Done. That's an interesting train of thought you've got because that that's something I've given a lot of thought because I – I started with making very simple wooden box cameras. Mm-hmm. Then I was like, oh, what can I make next? It's like, well, I can't make the lens, uh, so I'm going to stick with pinhole. Um, and then I thought about the, the lens, hole, uh, the film holders. So I, I went down the route of designing and making my own film holders because I wanted to shoot five by five. Oh, sweet. Um, just to be different. <laughs> and that, that took, there's a lot of work in making film holders. And it, it, I wasn't able to make a decent double-sided uh, film holder. So I, I stuck with each film holder holds one piece. Yeah. And by going through that process, it took me a, a few months thinking about the design and playing around with different things and then actually making uh, the film holder to be light seal, light tight. And it, it was just an incredible amount of work to make something out of wood. And yeah. I could just buy something for maybe $20 that would yep. do the same job probably better yeah Yeah, and exactly if i really was just thinking about the practicality of it i could fold something out of cardboard that would do this the same job so it 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 then started to become interesting me why do i want to do this is it actually for taking pictures is it for that practical use or is it i actually just want to make something that's beautiful that uh also works as a camera and when I started going down the route of making nicer looking cameras I then stopped thinking so much about the actual picture I want to take and I I get more and more focused I take a bunch of test shots of the normal things five steps from my front door 
and then I'm back in the workshop building the next camera. Mm-hmm. And I just found that I did this for a couple of years and I found I'm taking less and less pictures. I'm like hardly taking any pictures I like. I don't want to print most of them because they're, they're of the, the stone on the floor outside yeah. that I've taken 200 times. And this is where the whole lens pump thing kicked off for me, really. It's like I stuck a body cap plastic pinhole on the front and just went from there. And it was the pictures I got that made me want to make the next lens and the next lens. And it's almost like a a counterway to what I was doing before. And I don't have to connect it to something that I have a skill for that's nice because it's it's plastic and glass. I'm not looking at wood. So and I, I think it's I think, quite an interesting journey that mm-hmm. you go on trying to make everything um, in the camera. I think it's possible, especially with this community we've got. Like we've got people that who know a lot about lenses, people who know a lot about woodwork. We can all get together and put a camera together between us all. I think, and it would be a stunning camera, but would we all like to shoot it for very long? I, I, I really wonder that. I think a lot of what we're doing is more about the excitement of what the thing we're making is going to give us. And then once that becomes normal, maybe we want to move on to doing something that counters what that was. So I was doing very long exposures pinhole images that became quite normal to me even though that was very different six months a year before um and now i'm trying to take pictures that are much faster and um yeah just just sort of countering each time when something becomes normalized i want to then flip it on its head and do something 180 degrees different or 150 degrees different or something. But I guess the question, my question would be like, there's still the, the fascination and focus with making something physical as a step to making a photograph, right? Prior to that, you were making a camera and you've replaced a much more complex process Mm. of making a camera. Um, might not be as complex for you mm. because it's something that you're very skilled with. Whereas me, I'm like trying to make something square. Forget it. Um, but replacing that with still, you're making um, the lens, even if it's a lens cap, it's a lens cap lens or something more complex or whatever. Um, you're still, are you still sort of caught up in the, I have to make something in order to make an image. And then once I've made the image with this one, I have yes, to make another yeah, that, one. That is definitely. Yeah, I'm definitely still got that, but it's not so much the, um, I have found like my very first one was really crude. It was like, I was hacking bits of plastic off with a, uh, a Stanley knife and things like that. And, um, over time I found myself buying tools to drill perfect holes. So yeah. I've got a nice flush fit for the lens. And so that that's creeping back but i have to keep sort of telling myself this is you you want to be out taking pictures again and maybe different pictures so it's just do enough Mm -hmm. to make it nice that you you want to use it 
don't go too far with the it always has to be more precise or more right more in, so do you try to keep it like a time limit like if i can make this fine yeah i mean so you do like a time limit if i can make this in 20 minutes or less or 30 minutes or less without experimentation or discovery right like okay start to finish well, once I, I have my tools in place I, I can i, mean, I can do this in 30 minutes or less I mean, I'm to good. be honest this is all yeah, that, 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 that's a nice way to think because I, I haven't thought of that because this is a, like, I'm saying this out for myself. It, it's fairly new um, playing with lenses in this way. It, it's not something I've done for a long, long time. So, but I, I can see already I'm getting a little bit closer to what I was doing in the past and I don't know. That, that might be a good thing. I mean, I might. I, I, I bought a book that hasn't arrived yet on um, how, or hopefully it's going to show me a bit more of how lenses work and how the light travels through the, the lenses. Um, because all I know at the moment is I stick the, the element onto the, the camera, take a right. couple of shots. Oh, it did that. If I, if I move it forward, a few millimeters. Oh, now now that part's in focus, and it's sort of right. it's a I, built built up from personal experiments rather than actual technical knowledge. Right, and I, I like that. Yeah, but I'm I, at the stage now where I I could do with learning a little bit more, mm -hmm. especially if I want to start. Um, I'd like to play with two elements, and then that that's going to really then. Um, really uh stop we'll talk testing my yes <laughs> yes please <laughs> um I had, a, I had a design teacher uh when i was in design school who uh one of his uh, sayings he, he loved to give us was if you're not planning exactly what you're doing you're fishing in a mud puddle and that i think that to a large extent all three of us are fishing in a mud puddle when it comes to optics. And I'm sure, you know, I mean, Jason Lane's just like, yeah, you, you, you stupid punks. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and by the, and for anybody who doesn't know who Jason Lane is, he's a, an optical designer, um, uh, makes designs lenses for a living and optics for other things other than, uh, just cameras. But, um, you know, uh, part of the deal, um, part of part of what I think works for me is not actually necessarily knowing what I'm doing. Um, you know, I pick up a couple of lens elements, and uh, I have a bag here with some lens elements. I know yeah, I do. Don't. I've got tons of bags with lens elements. Um, also getting scratched up and useless. Oh my god! No, well, trigger me again. Here, look at that. It, That's it, better. That's better. I've got. I've got. Put them in individual ones now. Thank but, you. But I want to. Uh, you know, I. I kind of want to go. You know, put one in front of the other and just kind of move it back and forth. But it's really hard to plan, and it's really hard to get anything good. I'm working on, um, I've been working on, I talked about this quite a bit. Uh, I'm working on a double Gauss lens and uh, double, uh, a Gauss lens is a lens that has 
a positive meniscus in front, a negative meniscus right behind it. And they work together. Positive meniscus always has um, out of focus areas around the edges. The negative meniscus minimizes that. Um, if you put a positive or a, um, a double gauss in front and then a double gauss in back mirrored, they are ideal. Some of the best lenses in the world are double gauss lenses. And so I have one here and I did all the math and did all the calculations and it's wrong. Uh, you know, how is so, it wrong? Is it the focal lengths are wrong? Oh, or just, the way it's bending the light is wrong, or it's just just blah. It, it just doesn't focus where I expect it to focus. Okay. Um, does it focus? Uh, it does focus. It okay. does absolutely focus. That's a win. Um so if I put it down there, let's see if there if I can get enough light coming through it. I can't to really nope. do that to show you guys. But um, it has a focal <laughs> distance, a flange focal distance of about five millimeters. And there isn't anything I can put it on to get the image. So, uh, huh. so that's, so it, there's, it, it comes back to, yeah, I need to learn more about optics. I need to figure out what I'm doing. Well, that's um, really just basic math. I mean, for, for me and my curve, like there's, 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 yeah. there's two things, right? There's just, fortunately, I don't, I don't meander too deep into it. So like the things I do, basic back of the envelope math, right? Uh -huh. Of like combining focal elements of focal lengths, simple formula, they result in this focal length. Yeah. Yahoo. Like that's as far, that's as far and as deep as I'm capable of going. Like after that, it goes into, veers into areas my brain does not function. That's just math. But then there's optics. Then there's like, what's the curvature, what's the coating, what's the yeah. thickness at the edge in the center and all this crazy shit. And how does it bend the light? How does it refract all three colors and how do those work with each other? That gets into genuine optics. That's where, I mean, I'm pretty sure the three of us are never going to like go. That's where, that's why people like Jason have a full-time job. Right. And so for <laughs> us, you know, for us, if you're looking at like doing a double goss, right. Uh -huh. Sure, you so, can do the you can do the math to figure out the back and front focal lengths and all that other sort of happy shit. Like it's just figuring out the formulas. But whether or not those elements that you bought to put together work together properly to bend the light and the color the way they should to make a genuinely good lens, it's hundred percent guesswork. We'll never know. Yeah. Right. Like you can yeah. buy the positive and the negative from surplus shed or from anywhere else, but they were never designed in any way, shape, or form to work together. And to form a genuine lens. And we're never going to get those kinds of results Yeah, with a complicated and, lens design. And for instance, yeah. okay, so what I'm showing you guys right now on my camera- oops, I'm feeling uh, drunk, by the way, holy cow. Is, <laughs> is a, that's the single Gauss. Okay. Um, so it's, it's <laughs> really soft. Well, yeah, okay. you have so, to stop it down. Yeah, well, it's, uh, you can stop it down. I, I might want to use it wide open. Um, but- um, We'll have but, this argument. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, well, we don't have to have this argument because I'm teasing. you can do it the way you want it and I can I'm do teasing. it the way I want it. And you can do it wrong. 
I'll be the one that's right. No, I'll be the one that's right. Um, so, so there is something, what Dom's saying is, you know, once you start doing anything, you start to teach yourself, you start to learn, um, and you end up getting better and better and better at, um, at what you're doing. And so you're less and less of, you know, a fool, a punk. However, one of the things that I love about what you said, Dom, is, is you move on to the next thing and then you move on to the next thing and you move on to that next thing. And I, I love that idea. I love that idea. Um, just because one worked doesn't mean the next one won't be even better or more fun or something different. Um, and, uh, and that's kind of a, a, a good way of going about it. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think so. Just like, I think, especially for, for hobbyists, right? Like none of us are doing this for a living. We're not looking for magazine work. Mm -hmm. um, we're not oh anything, right? Oh. We're not, we're not publishing books, which by the way, is a very poor way to make a living. You can't, you can't make a living publishing books. Um, I know from several people who've done it. So whereas, but as hobbyists though, yeah. We have the luxury of doing that, right? Of jumping from A to B to F to D to whatever. Yeah. You know, whereas when you look at, at people who have to do this photography thing for a living, they typically find a style, they get damn good at it, they can do it with their eyes closed, and they get paid for it, right? Like, um, pick any number of photographers with a signature style. They're hired for that style, and they hone it like a knife, because they don't necessarily have the luxury for the majority of their careers of being able to skip around and be inconsistent. Mm -hmm. Whereas we, we do. We can be like, okay, that was fun. I'm bored. Uh, you know, I got a day job and mm -hmm. uh, I want to be mentally entertained. I'm going to go, I'm going to go fuck around with something else. And that's, that, I think that's the difference between, again, not an insult. The difference between a hobbyist, yeah. regardless of how serious we are, and someone who had who's a pro who has to do this for the living, who has to produce mm. consistent work day in, day we, out. We, we're able to do it as long as it's fun, and then we can yeah. just drop it when exactly. it becomes when it becomes boring, <laughs> we just move on. And yeah. I find as well by having a break from something, like I'm having a break at the moment from pinhole photography. I haven't done any real pinhole photography for quite a while. And I don't have a dark room at the moment either. So most of my photography is more going digital at the moment. And okay. I, I, I went from when digital came out, I was like, wow, this is amazing. I can get instant pictures. And then quickly realized actually there's a lot of work needs doing on these cameras before they get any good and found myself buying a lot of cheap film cameras because everyone was buying up the, the sort of usual story. And then going back to digital now, it's digital is a different world to what it was 10 years ago. I mean, it's like film was 15 years ago. It's a, you, right. you can, I bought, I bought this little Lumex. Uh, can you see? Yeah. Little GF2s. Yeah. This was around, 
30 dollars and it's like it's new almost hardly used so i use this for testing lenses it's got a very short flange focal so yeah. i can it's just... at like 16 millimeters something like that it's a micro four thirds yeah 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 it's, it's not so if i want to make test something for full frame i can just make a spacer uh, cut a bit of um plumbing pipe or something and use some gaffer's tape to hold it on the body and yeah, you can yeah. experiment away, not worrying I'm going to break an expensive digital camera. And to be honest, it's such a small, easy, accessible sensor in that you can just clean it up pretty easy. So I, uh, I'm doing and probably in a few, few months time. Sorry, you, you no, go. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm doing the same thing. I had um, this Fuji um, XE2 that I tried to sell for a hundred bucks. Um, I don't know, six months ago, and it wouldn't sell for a hundred bucks. And so I just said, uh, if it won't sell for a hundred bucks, I'm going to keep it. And uh, and I've just yeah, it's my test bed. Um, and it works really well. And that means that I don't have to get the sensor dirty on my X pro two, um, you know, which is a yeah. considerably higher end machine. And, you know, when I put it on Instagram, uh, this has more than enough power. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that's, that's something that's nice. Um, it also, though, um, one of the one of the problems that I'm having a lot. Um, it, one of the nice things is the the flange distance is really close. Um, but I also want to go. I want to shoot on film, and I'm holding up a uh, an SLR, a Vivitar SLR that is a um, oh, and it has film in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that that is a um, it's a Cosina built. It's the same thing. It's a K mount, but it is uh, it's the same as a um, FM10 um, Nikon FM10. It, okay. But my my whole point on that is the 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 K mount flange focal distance is forty six point five eight or something millimeters. And that means that I've got to find a much bigger or a much longer focus um, uh, flange focal distance lens in order to get it to work. And and I keep coming up short. I keep coming up with things that won't focus on this thing. So, um, or I push them in far enough that it- I guess some- I've been buying some uh, new- uh, single elements that are used for uh, building medical lenses. There's a company I found here in Japan that sells relatively cheap. I think they're seconds. Okay. So I think they're, they're because the, the usual elements are $100 up each element. So like, I'm not going to be buying those to be gluing to plastic body caps, but they sell some that are around... $20 each and I think they're seconds but I, I can't see anything wrong with them and I'm sure they have a 50 50 millimeter single 
single element that you could probably use straight straight on a body cap with that with a little bit of shimming yeah yeah, yeah. i gotta uh, find uh i gotta then, find something like that and i can um you know yeah. i can go buy them uh, from surplus shed in the united states where you know four dollars and fifty cents um hey are you yeah. are, are you one of the vip members well, yeah of course yeah. i am so so you pay <laughs> you pay like 12 bucks to get free shipping and 10 percent off for a year dude oh jeez. okay it's, anyway <laughs> and and early notice on it's sales a- by emails yeah. Okay. So here's another question, Eric and uh, Dom. This is going to leave you out for a moment. What do you have on order that hasn't arrived yet from Surplus Shed? Uh, from Fred, right now, I'm waiting on a 285 millimeter Acromat that's in a brass barrel. Um, yeah. But the brass barrel comes out, and because it's a, it's a, okay, third time. Ready? So- it's it's a 28 millimeter diameter. Uh-huh. And what I discovered as I took apart, I have two of these Bronica ETR lenses that I bought with fungus. Um, and as I discovered, I disassembled. They're really easy to disassemble, right? Because really, it's just a metal barrel with this really beautifully constructed front. You put this in front of me so you can see it. This just screws into the front. And depending on the lens, it has different steps for the lens elements. Okay. Right? So this has three or four steps in it and that just screws into the front of the shutter, but then it's got one that's in the back right here. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm making a lens with this, I have to get a lens element behind the shutter, right? Because otherwise it's going to vignette. It's really important when you're making a lens that has an integrated shutter that you have an element behind the shutter. So it doesn't vignette. Okay. Right. And this is just a threaded in piece, right? This just, threads out and it's, um, you know, I'll just unthread it because I have to unthread one of these. And it has two elements inside of this too. And the closest it'll get to the shutter is a, like a 26 millimeter diameter, which means I need 27 millimeter, 28 millimeter diameter to fit as close as I can to that. Right. To get it as close as I can to the shutter to have the smallest space between the elements as I can, right? The math is a giant pain. Because usually I'm, I'm making these lenses, you know, it's got like five millimeters, 10 millimeters between the elements. Right. It makes it really easy, right? Basic, Dom, for you, basic rule of thumb, two elements. You get two of the same, you get a pair of acromats. Trust me on this, right? If you get two 300 millimeter acromats, you put them about five millimeters apart, you're going to have about 152 millimeter focal length lens with about 149 millimeter back focal length. That's it. It's literally that freaking easy. Bob's your mm-hmm. uncle, right? So I'm used to making these things with five or 10 millimeters between, and that's it. But when it's like, in this case, 50 or 60 millimeters, it's a much different fucking beast. Yeah. None of my math worked. So th- this is this is sort of, my this is this is what i like to build this this kind of thing like really mm-hmm. simple really um doesn't really i have a 50 mil lens for my uh rangefinder it's a lovely lens but uh it i mean it, it makes the rangefinder quite big 
where yeah. this kind of lens, I can actually stick my, my, my camera in my back pocket if I'm just sort of having to do something. Um, this is another one, a little bit bigger. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I, I like to make the lens almost as the body cap or as close to the body cap. I mean, that, that's just what I'm enjoying at the moment. So are those uh, focusable or are they just a set focus of infinity yeah, and, or focus, 30 feet? Or... They're, they're basically a quick point and shoot. And like I was saying earlier, they, they've all got very, very small apertures uh, for a lens, but they're, they're, they're very big. For if, if they didn't have the lens, they would be terrible pinholes. Right. But that you would still get some... If it was a very obvious subject, like a person with a bright light behind you, you, you would still be able to tell what it is, but you wouldn't get any detail. Got it. Um, so, so, so basically, you're taking uh, you're taking the glass. You're making a a pin. You almost look as you're making like a slightly more not, not even more refined pinhole, but you're you're taking a piece of glass and you're stopping it down to a small to a well, to a fast yeah. speed for a pinhole. Right, yeah. you're making a slightly more refined pinhole because it's a set focus. It's a it's a point and shoot. It's focusing about thirty feet. Bob's your uncle. Away you go. Right. So, um, if yeah. if I understand this correctly, it's got a focal length of um, I don't know about thirty millimeters. And it, yeah, uh, what I've been seeing on Instagram, you've you're making a pinhole aperture that's about eight tenths of a millimeter. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out what so, the okay. stop of that is. So um, 30 divided by um, 0.8 and no, hang in a second. <laughs> 30 divided by 0.8 gives a 37.5. I guess, I guess that that is, I was expecting to see like an F64. Um, so yeah, I, I've done some uh, 0 0.5 okay. uh, millimeter uh, apertures too. And that, that, that is more, that's getting closer to the F64. Yeah. Range right. For for that thirty millimeter uh, element, and that that's good. Um, that that gets much more like pinhole images. You, you're getting a lot, a lot of detail in very close up and also far away. So, I have a... that, that 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 does get the shutter speed. Unless it's bright sunny day, that gets the shutter speeds a little bit slower. So I'm sort of skipping around those sizes at the moment um i'm playing with both of those i tried one millimeter that that wasn't really what i was looking for but when it gets to 0.8 that's starting to be what i i like the look of now one of the things that happens when you get really small apertures is that the light starts to diffract diffract yeah, starts to diffract as it goes around the edges of that small aperture. So um, it, it starts getting it, you know, starts going fuzzy again. 
And that's a lot of what you see, the fuzziness in a pinhole picture mm. is that diffraction. Uh, I wonder how close you're getting to that point of diffraction. And yeah. I uh, wonder if I'd go to point three, if you would see it with that lens, because yeah. the point that, that I would point be very five, um, aperture is, is still pretty, uh, to be honest, it, it, it seems sharper than yeah, the okay. point eight. Uh, I, would be, I would be really interested to see um, shot side by side um, uh, the, a 0.5, which is a huge pinhole uh, for, for 35 millimeter. That's a way outsized mm. pinhole. Uh, but see the pinhole image and then the pinhole plus lens image at the same aperture size to see what the lens does that is is different from what a normal pinhole would do or what a normal lens would do. Um, uh, it would be very interesting to me to see that uh, difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I need, I need to set up a, a, a test shot where I, I have it without the lens, um, just the aperture mm -hmm. at the different sizes and then with with the lens of the different sizes, yeah. that would be a good experiment to do. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, just uh, uh, a little bit of an aside. I am doing a lot of pinhole work lately, and I have a, oh. a picture that I currently have as my my desktop wallpaper on my laptop. That is a um, uh, a picture where my finger is in the photograph and you can see my fingerprints and yet you can see the horizon and they're in similar focus. And uh, I love <laughs> that. I love that. Well, because here's, you know, one of the things that I've been, you know, the other end of that spectrum is I'm shooting an 80 millimeter F2 wide open that has a depth of field of, you know, uh, <laughs> what, you know, two, <laughs> you know, um, so I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying those extremes um, at the same time. So uh, guys, we are coming up on an hour of recording. Do you guys want to, Want to well, start? we're actually, are we at an hour? Because we started after six and we had like a 10 minute break for you to take care of the dog. We had a, um, a four minute break. Well, and it? we are at, uh, we're at, we're at about 55 minutes. So um, we can, uh, yeah. So I was just uh, suggesting that. Um, six, one half dozen, the other. Uh, so do you guys want to, want to wrap it up and we can, uh, Leave some meat on the bone for the next show, and um, uh, and we can do things like uh, thank the Sunny Sixteen people and all that type of stuff. Sunny F sixteen and, and start yeah, start wrapping. Sunny F sixteen people. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, <laughs> we have been. We remain. Um, I think I've got a good sign off. So we'll try this. We're do, we're doing this podcast just live by the seat of our pants because we're lens punks. Um, so, uh, Dom, how do people get a hold of you? What's, where, where's your Instagram? Um, what, what, where do you want to send people? Flickr, Instagram, 
your your website? Uh, pretty simple. I'm everything lens punk. So on Instagram, I'm lens and then punk with a uh, underscore in between lens and punk. You can find me there. And also lenspunk.org is uh, my website. So those All two right. places and you can contact me through either of those. Cool. Eric. Nobody wants dumb? to talk to you. No, but... no. I don't do anything. And also, Dom sounds so polite about it. And then I... can talk to me through any one of those. I'm like, <laughs> he needs I to feel so gen- I feel so genteel. Yeah, it's but like... he needs to say it with a snarl. I'm a lens punk. No, punk. he doesn't. It's even better when it's just like sounds so civilized. <laughs> okay. It's great. Uh... I just feel like such a... Ru- I'm not even... Well, maybe. Anyways. So just I'm just on Instagram pretty much. E-R-I-K-H-M-A-T-H-Y. Um, okay. There'll be okay, some to... photography. There'll be some dry plate stuff. There'll be bunnies. Always bunnies. Bunnies. Always bunnies. Bunnies. Bunny porn. Horrible. Bunny it's porn. no, no, sir. That's a terrible <laughs> thing to say. Cute Cuddle bunnies. <laughs> Snuggly bunnies. Cute do not porn. make it stop. <laughs> Okay, I'll I'll stop it because you have to use stop using the I word. Um, okay, so um, you can get a hold of me. Um, uh, my name is Graham Young. I am on Instagram as Graham Homemade Camera. And even though you might be confused by the other Graham that's on this feed, my name is spelled G R A H A M. So it's Graham Homemade Camera or you can see my other, and that's on Instagram. You can see my other feed and it's called down the fidelity curve, all one word, jam it all together. And uh, that's work that um, is challenging to figure out what the subject is uh, and stuff like that. So um, uh, we want to thank uh, Sunny 16 and uh, for having us on the Sunny 16 presents yeah uh, fn sunny 16 yeah and if we ever somewhere yeah and if we ever decide to have music we'll thank whoever um did the music for us in a very punkish way not that we're making a request but exactly wants to do some punk intro and outro we're cool yeah i don't know hey uh did you guys watch a lot of punk shows i mean did you go to a lot of punk shows back in the day i was uh i was in the in minneapolis when all the best punk bands were going through and one of my favorite things about a good punk show is at the end of the song you don't clap you know it's just yeah okay yeah i accept and the songs are about 15 to 30 seconds long absolutely absolutely okay so um we are lens punk and you can be too hell yes 